a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the MotorcycleSuperstore.com RacerX podcast. I'm Steve Mathis, as usual. RacerX, uh, we thank those guys for putting this up and uh, having this weekly show. We do. We, uh, we're pumped to do it, pumped to bring you some exciting people each and every week, whether it's race reviews or interesting people in the industry, which is uh, the guy that's on the line now. But uh, first up, MotorcycleSuperstore.com. From talking about going riding, bench racing from the latest company ride, or if you want to get all the newest parts and gear, MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Check out their website. Visit their vast inventory of equipment over 700 trusted brands. Do you speak moto? MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Punch in the code PB, peanut butter, PB, dash pulp 16 and save 10% off participating brands at MotorcycleSuperstore.com. We thank those guys for um, stepping up and, and being titled of this thing. That's pretty cool. And also Fox Racing, Foxhead.com, the global innovation leader in motocross race where Ryan Dungey wears Fox, although just Fox boots in the new ESPN issue where he's naked. But uh, Fox Racing, Foxhead.com, and uh, global innovation leader in motocross race where Flex Air stuff out now, limited edition gear as well. We thank a Motorcycle Superstore, and we thank Fox for coming on board with me. All right, uh, on the line with me, might be our second podcast, maybe our third one. We haven't, we've done, haven't done one in a while. A uh, good friend of mine in the industry, I've known him for a long time, and uh, happy to uh, talk, call him up, bench race with him about uh, the old days, the new days, and uh, everything else. Parts Unlimited Drag Specialties, Rocket Rob Bidas. What's up, Bidas? How are you? I'm doing well. Welcome. I mean, you know, it was funny. You mentioned Dungey and in, in ESPN. They called... They talked to me. Oh, My yeah. people—they were trying to put something together. They know that, you know, probably in my birthday suit, no one, no one would look better than me. But right, right, yeah, I it didn't to, work I out. Had to, I had to acquiesce at the moment <laughs> and, and let Ryan have it this year. Oh yeah, I bet. Hey, so I'm kind of pissed at you because you, you know, obviously the Nationals switched hands from a presenting sponsor of uh, Parts Unlimited to uh, WPS uh, last year, and. You were the voice of the Outdoor Nationals for so long, uh, so many years. You did a great job at it. But now, like, I have to do some of it. Like, I'm up there sometimes um, because I just – I think they're just looking around now. So, you're – and I don't get paid for it. So, I'm, I'm pissed at you for dragging me into this. Come back and announce, Rob. Come back. Come back to the Nationals. <laughs> you know what? I, I mean, that's, that's really uh, something I took – took a lot of uh, enjoyment in. I mean, you know, you, you hear all these people say, oh, I was blessed to do this. It was. You get the best seat in the house. You get to talk about it. You get to, uh, you know, talk to the superstars at the end of the battle and find out what's going on. But um, it had a, I had a really good run of it. And, uh, and the whole time, um, Parts Unlimited Company I worked for was uh, was one of the bigger sponsors of the series. We, we tried to go a different way. And, uh, you know, we're doing some more road racing and stuff. I'm doing World Superbike this week. Mm-hmm. And believe me, my heart's always going to be in moto. 
But, uh, you know, we went a different way, and, and I felt it was time for me to do the same thing. And um, I, I believe me, there's nothing I miss more than a gate drop and 40 screaming machines, you know, blazing into the corner of the best guys in the world. But, um, you know, I had to make, I had to make a change, too, and, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We've done some MotoGP. We're doing the Moto America thing. We're doing some World Superbike, which this will be my first real experience with that. So, uh, you know, we're, we're keeping active, that's for sure. No, no, you just couldn't bring yourself to talk about another competing company that you work for, and so you bailed out. Oh, no, I want to make sure that all the sponsors did a good job. I it's mean, trust bullshit. Me, gang, it's a big, it's a big commitment to be part of it at that level, and I just wanted to make sure that they had somebody that had their best, best oh, interest, and, and I didn't think it was going to be me. So. It, it would have, anyway. You would have been professional. You would have done a great job. You got the pipes, and you got the knowledge of the sport. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, you do. You are one of my biggest fans in this. So oh, no, no. You are, you are you. good. You are really good. You're good at, 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 at everything. Besides, like, you know, yeah, you're just you're a perfect announcer. We got to get you back. We got to get you back somehow. I don't know how. Well, I but. still get to do the Daytona Supercross, and I still get to do the Monster Cup, and yeah, you know, true, yeah, that's that's kind of fun to do. And uh, you know, I, you, you mentioned announcers, and I hope everybody keeps Irv Braun right now in their in their thoughts and prayers. That guy had a tough go of it a short time ago, and uh, you know, Irv's been he's been around twenty plus years, and he's got a tough go. His family's involved in the sport, so if you get a chance. You know, keep a good thought for Irv. Yeah, he's an institution at the Supercross race. He's been doing it a long time. There's a lot of junk going on right this second that's that's certainly on the up and up. And I think people want to know what, at least what you think about it. Hell, like I can do interview you, you even. Do you – Do you, okay, so – no, I'm not, I'm not letting go of this. What – What? how long has it been since you – you've been to High Point. You went to High Point. I saw you there. But how many, high point first. how many years did you do consecutive, like, High Points, consecutive Nationals? You know, like, um, what do you what do you miss? I had a little interruption there in a minute when I couldn't get the crowd to do the wave, but for the most part, <laughs> um, from from right around oh five, yeah, you know, right yeah. around oh five right. till till last year, you know. Um, so hey, talk about High Point a little bit. So your start, and we'll talk about the series here in a little bit. But your start into the industry, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was George Quay Pro Action, right? George George was a big part of it. I mean, he was based in this part of the country, right. especially for this part of the country. You know, he was, you know, he was around in the '70s with Keystone Racing, which you know had some big name guys and local hotshots using the stuff. And then, uh, you know, he morphed into the Pro Action brand around gosh '77 or '78 uh-huh. somewhere in there. And, and yeah, I had a chance to work with him. Made a lot of great contacts. Guys like Hilton Beatty and. Um, uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, you know, that's that's when you start kind of working for the first time with John Ayers and the Coombs family up close because, you know, we were doing the Nationals. And, yeah. Um, you know, you certainly make a lot of contacts, and, and George, you know, helped pave the way. The Andrews family, you know, uh, Phil Andrews and uh, his son Fred's back in the business again. But, you know, they gave me my real start. I worked for companies like JT back in the yeah. late 80s and yeah. early 90s. and morphed in the Harleys. I mean, I've worked all over the, the motorcycle industry. I truly do like every aspect of it, from pit bikes to choppers. I like something about it. You, you, know? Know, you know, you were really onto something, Rob. You were, uh, first of all, you were a pioneer in the pit bike racing, the Friday night pit bike races <laughs> of the Nationals. Uh, but another thing you were onto, and it wasn't really the racing, but for a long time, for a couple, two years, three years, you've got, you got legends of the sport out in their gear. 
out on old bikes at the Nationals at, I don't know, three, four, five rounds a year. And they did a little lap, and, you know, you kind of introduced the fans back to these old guys that, that you and I love and still talk to and, you know, everything else. But have you noticed, like, that Vet MXDN has been growing all the time? Like, you, you, I feel like you were on the verge of kind of bringing this nostalgia ring back. Old bikes are huge now. Like, late 80s, early 90s bikes, everyone's got one. I've, I built two of them myself. You've got one. Rob, you're ahead of the time. You're ahead of your time with that little vet well, thing. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I, You know, the the proper, what they call vintage, is 1974 and older. And that's cool. But, you know, in 1974, I was on, like, XR75s. I mean, right. I thought Elsinore's were cool. But so the, the 80s in particular, that's when I, you know, for, for guys, you know, in my age group, that's when we were deciding if we were going to go pro or, mm-hmm. you know. That's when we were making our mark and, and thought we were serious about it and the whole bit. So those bikes, you know, really kind of resonate with us. Then they're pretty easy to find. They're super affordable. Yeah. They're still kind of parts available for them. You can make them look good. And, you know, and really by the, by the mid to late 80s, suspension, brakes, everything worked pretty good. So you can go ride these things. When I mean, you can go ride an Elsinore. And I have buddies that do, but they literally do it like three times a year. They break all the time. They break all the yeah. time. <laughs> You know, these, these late 80s bikes, you go out and, and moto them. Like, I was up at Unadilla not long ago. Uh, Thor and Moose got together and came in and helped um, at the Rewind weekend. Mm-hmm. A thousand entries. Yeah. And, I mean, you're, here, I'll tell you what is a really, really good bike that I had no idea how good they were. 1983 CR480s. Really? I had no idea how good those <laughs> things were. Guys like Bruce Stratton and them. Yeah. I mean, they're racing Dogger. They're racing... Uh, John Dow, this year it was Rodney Smith, and they're riding KX500s, which doesn't matter what year they are. It's a brand-new KX500. <laughs> exactly. And this 480s, whole shot in them. Really, They huh? were a good bike. They were a good bike. I wow. guess the 82s weren't nearly as good, but 83s were really good. Yeah, you started so, it with the Nationals, bringing these guys out, and then Glover was still in his JT All I wanted to gear. do was make DeCosta ride. I never <laughs> saw the dude really ride, so I made him ride a couple laps, and he'd only do it with Ricky. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, they did it at Redbud. We did it at High Point in Steel City. And then, actually, High Point was was my final one. We were all set, dressed, ready to go. And we ran long in the morning, and things got – and they canceled it, and I was devastated. I was heartbroken. <laughs> You're like, I, right. I had to send – I had to send bad fish back to the Kawasaki truck without getting dirty. Oh, I had to send dude. Steve Lampson on a never-ridden CR125 back to his truck. And you were like, all right, uh, I'm done, Tom guys. Carson, yeah. Fred Andrews. It was, it was devastating. Um, and your dream, you're still your dream, Rob. And don't, don't say it isn't. Your dream is to have a, a race series with old guys on bikes, pay them some purse money, have like a four-race series. No, this is your dream. not just listen. Here's my thoughts. We as a company spend a lot of money when we get a featured athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we signed Cooper Webb not long ago. We had Ryan Villapoto. We yeah, had millions. And Travis, millions. Travis Fish. Yeah. So you, you spend a lot of money telling the world that this is our guy. Mm-hmm. And then they retire in their 20s, mm-hmm. you know, and they go away. And a lot of them go away and they, they, you know, they do whatever. And it takes them, in my opinion, about five or six years. And they usually get in their early to mid-30s, and they start thinking back, if I would have just done this, if I would have just did that, I could have been a lot more um, valuable necessarily to maybe the manufacturer of the bike I wore out or the clothes I wore or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So I think as these guys get into their early to mid thirties, thirty five, I think is the cut is where I wanted to start. Where, 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 yeah, where your limit, right? These manu- and, and in my opinion, the manufacturers, these older riders are way better at development. So bring back works bikes. Let these guys. These aren't on old bikes. These are on brand new, the best you could come up with. I don't care if it has a turbo on it. You know, put Jeff Stanton or put David Villeman on it, who's a good development guy. And I thought because, you know, it was a Saturday event, we have the first moto on Friday night, mm-hmm. second moto on Saturday. The manufacturers could pay these guys a fair living, fair. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. The clothing companies could pay them a fair amount and get to use them for photo shoots and dealer open houses, stuff that some of the premier guys are harder to, to get to talk than to do. Yeah. They could develop the bike. They could work with the younger riders on the team. Like, be an asset all the way across the board. Sure. And yeah. give the fans a chance to see Villeman versus McGrath versus LaRocco versus, you know. And I don't want 40 riders because I, I think you run out of star power at that you point. You do, yeah. I, thought, yeah. I thought 15 to 20, and I wanted two classes. I wanted a class for Ricky, which is like 35 and up. Then I wanted a class for, like, the Stantons and Glovers, who all said they'd ride, but they didn't want to race Ricky. Mm-hmm. So if I thought if you had two classes, that was what I wanted to do. Um, and these guys can make a living for another 10 years, you, 35 to 45, 45 to 55, and then maybe have a little, because they'd be smarter with it, easier to retire. The only thought I had is these guys would kill themselves. Because they're all athletes and their bodies aren't going to catch up to what they used it to It was be. only going to be 20 minutes. It wasn't even going to be plus two laps. <laughs> I know this is and, your dream. And the track was going to be unridden. Like, they were going to get it first. Right, right. I know this was your so dream. So it wasn't going right. to swallow them up or anything, you know? Right. I know this was your and dream. trust me. I know. I know that these guys, well, what it is is you hate to see what were your heroes or, more in, you know, guys that really had – you know, everything handled, and then, you know, a period of time goes by where they're still really young, and, they, and the light bulb goes off, and, and yeah. then we don't use them like maybe we could. Um, and they still want to perform. I don't think you could tell them to go out and just, hey, just go through the motions, because that's never going to happen. You know what's scary in our and sport? And that's why I thought if you put a purse right. on it and they're really going to go for it, yeah. then, sure. you know. Yeah. No, I know. I like your idea. I just wouldn't want to see my legend go over the bars and break his femur or anything. No. Oh, it'd be nice to see Red Dog back. Oh, would it ever? Oh, would it ever? Um, Can you imagine if you had a two-man team, Red in the 35s and Rollerball in the 45s? we got to get this happening ASAP. we got to get this happening. Um, you know what's scary, Rob? And you've seen this in our sport because you, you interview these guys. You talk to them all the time. So, like... Okay, look, I don't want to blow him out of the water, but I'm going to blow him out of the water a little bit. Like Cooper Webb right now. He's very upset. He has to do these press conferences, and, and you know, he has book, flights booked on Saturday night. And, you know, he makes the podium. He makes, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for this bonus, and the media wants to talk to him, and, and he's not happy. And, and there's, I'm just pointing it out because it's recently. There's a lot of these guys that, that don't realize this stuff. And then, like, I'm not kidding, and you've seen this, Rob. Like, Ron Lachine... I saw McGrath, Ron Lachine could walk through the pits tomorrow, and nobody knows. Nobody cares. And that dude was the baddest dude on the planet back in his day. Hell, Rob, I've seen McGrath, and I tell this story. Atlanta, uh, I don't know, maybe the year he had his team with Brooks and Shorty, maybe the year after. 
uh, I, I talked to McGrath for a while at the Honda truck, and I watched him turn around and walk away, and I was with Wygant, and I'm like, look at that. And, like, nobody bugged him. He just walked through the pits. And so I always think, like, when I see Cooper saying these things, or when sometimes when some of these guys get on me for things I've written or said, I'm always like, you don't get it, man. Like, you're, it's, when you quit, and this goes back to what I, your, your, your legends racing, when you quit, nobody cares. And that's a little sad about our sport, but it's a reality, and you've seen it. It's, well, it's not just motocross or supercross. It's all sports. I mean, Brett Favre goes away, has, has a little bit of drama where he signs with some other teams late and is kind of almost had a McGrath kind of thing. You know, he goes from Yamaha, mm-hmm. he's going over to KTM and, you know, just bouncing around trying to reignite whatever. And that's what I'm saying. If you give these guys a little bit of time to go away and, and right. reality kick in, when they come back, I think the next 10 years you'd get out of them I agree. would be yes. far and above the best 10 years you ever got. They would sit down with fans. They'd sit down with dealers. They'd, and a dealer wants to say, remember when you and yeah, yeah. Pro were battling for the – they'd sit there for hours and reminisce. When it's happening, you know, like a Cooper Webb right now, when they're right in the throes of things. And you hate to say that they don't think it's ever going to end, but that's not what they're thinking about. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's. They're uh, thinking yeah. about, man, I got to get on my plane. I got to get home. You know, probably for a while it was his hand or whatever, but now that he's healed up, he wants to do whatever. He's and and I think they they get and they get a group of people that tell him, you need to go, you need to go, you need to go. You know? Yeah, and, I just think get, it's. Uh, I think it's funny. I think it's funny how our sport is, and these guys. And I don't want to be like the old man. You know shaking my fist at a cloud, but these guys would be good to remember some of that. You know what I mean? That, hey, you're not that big of a deal. <laughs> you're really not. Well, you know what's funny is in the NFL, when you get drafted, mm-hmm. they bring in some of the old players, you know, right. like, yeah. you know, and, and they're like, hey, listen, here's what's going to happen. You know, you're going to have friends that you never knew you had. You're going to have gifts that you <laughs> didn't even ask for, Yeah, but there's definitely something attached to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think if some of these, you mentioned Lachine, and, and, and some of these guys that had struggles and come in and said, listen to me, this isn't, re- you know, this isn't a fairy tale. This is really going to happen. And, I mean, you, you see that whole generation, you know, unfortunately Austin Stroop and Jason Lawrence and, Izzy and a bunch and, of yeah, other yeah, guys. Yeah, all, no. you, know, you know, Izzy was talking about that he was caught up in this whole thing. That's a whole, that, those guys probably have 40 amateur titles and nothing really as a pro because yeah. just as they were about to make it, they got derailed hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's you funny. Know? It's funny that way. Sometimes I just, you know, I've been around it for a while and so have you. And I'm just like, I'm like, God, you guys smarten up here. Take a look around, be appreciative of what you've got, the money you're making. Cause it could all go away tomorrow and nobody's going to care. There's no statues being built of you. You know what I mean? But it's hard to do that when you're in the moment, when you're a kid and you're in the moment, that's, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, you know, you, you rack it up to them. And, and, I, you know, again, that was where I was thinking. You give somebody that's that's had a taste of it. Right. And, it's, and a lot of these guys had a big old plate of it, and then it's gone. That's when you really find out how much you miss something. Who are, and, who are, you know, again, all these guys I talked to when, when I was wanting to really do this, before I even went to somebody, I wanted to make sure that David Zilliman would race six times a year. Right. You know, for a reasonable amount of money. Right. And that you know, and every single one of them, yes, yes, I will. You know, I mean, they that, love that 
they'd love that one more chance. But it's just like everybody wishes, I think. If I could just go back to my senior year in high school right. and know what I know now. Yeah. You know? I would get that chick. I'd be able to get pull her, no problem. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, You'd be the star quarterback. You'd, you'd date the prettiest girl, everything. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And uh, maybe one day. Your dream will happen, but you got to come back to the races, Rob. You got to come back. Um, I come back and visit. I'm, you know, I'm right. <laughs> um, do you uh, do you enjoy doing the road race stuff a little bit? I know, you know, obviously MotoGP uh, Parts Unlimited is a big part of that, and you've you've done things with Rossi over there, and like you said, World Superbike. And do you enjoy that? Do you like talking to those guys? You know what, racers. I mean, they're fun to talk to. I, I like to talk to trials guys. I mean, they're fun. You know. They all have a certain little lingo and a certain, you know, guys and gals that are really good at something, they're fun to talk to, you know. And the road race guys, they tend to be slightly older. You know, I'm still talking to Roger Lee Hayden, right, you know what man, I mean? And yeah. he's still ultra competitive. Um, I mean, that's the thing, you know, you get those guys, they come in brash, they mature up a little bit, then they're seasoned for a good six or seven years, you know. And, and like when Valentino Rossi, when you would do an interview with him, uh-huh. it's 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 not like, you know, there's not a thanking of the sponsors and then immediately followed by, you know, uh, a couple cliche lines from racing, you know, I got a good start, I put my head down, I went to work, you know, nothing like that. <laughs> right, right. That dude breaks it down, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're going you're gonna to ask me a question about a certain individual, I am going to tell you exactly what I think about them. Uh-huh. Exactly. Like, you know, they'll bring up Biagi, Rossi lets it rip. You know what I mean? But he does it so consistently that, you know, you just come to expect that from him. And I think the peers around him are just like, you're an old man. You should have gone away already, and you shouldn't <laughs> still be a big thorn in our side. Uh-huh. And you talk to Randy Mamola. He said, I talked to Mamola when Rossi went to Ducati. He's done, put a fork in him, not a chance. He comes back to Yamaha. I don't think he's going to figure it out. And what he credits his success to late in his career is that he surrounded himself with rookies. You know, he has that little that little yeah, uh, compound race team yeah, that he owns, yeah, yeah, and he yeah. hangs out with those dudes. He learned their slang. He learned the way they back it in the corners. And he reinvented himself as a young man in a 37-year-old racer's body. Hmm, interesting, yeah. Um, hey, is there anybody better? When we talk about old riders, is there anybody better to shoot the shit with at an industry show than Dogger? Dogger's awesome. He's got to be. He's got to be in the top five of guys that you want to have a beer with. And and well, you know what though? It's funny about him. And I mean, and and you know as well as I do. When you know, you and I will talk to like a guy like Jeff Stanton as a racer. You thought Bradshaw would be way crazier, way funnier. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Stanton's a funny dude. He is, yeah, no, he is. You know, because he'll be like, "Oh man, I," you know, he'll tell you exactly what was happening. They're all pretty funny guys. Yeah. Um, for sure, Lachine's fun to talk to. Stanton's fun to talk to. Glover's pretty fun to talk to because he never remembers anything until you tell the story slightly wrong. <laughs> then he will correct you <laughs> lap for lap. Pat, he yes. was in fourth gear, not third. <laughs> yes. I love talking Glover, to him too. Though. Glover has, yeah, Glover has uh, some serious memory. Serious memory. Oh, they all do. If you just, you know, all you got to do is just get it. If you're telling the story and you're telling it right, oh, I think it was kind of like that. As soon as you get it wrong, oh, no, no. 
Let me set this straight. Yeah, I know. And Dogger's always just like, yeah, I was an idiot. Yeah, I, did. I didn't want to ride. <laughs> well, you know, it's more funny when you find out what he did to get out of ride. It took half as much effort to hide your bike in the weeds and hang out for two hours than right. it did to actually ride. Yeah, or accidentally forget your boots or whatever. That one story. Yeah, yeah exactly, right? Um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, and then when you – and some other guys like – like RV, for example, and we're both good friends with, with RV. Like, I, I mean, he never seemed to stop and enjoy the, and smell the roses. You know, when he was winning, he was very driven. And 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 now I talk to him every now and then, you know, via text and a little bit over the phone. And like, he's completely let it go. Like, there's no, you know, there's just it's funny. Like how these guys, some guys like like Dogger loves it, right? He lives for it. He's all into it. Follows it. Calls me a lot. And and then you got a guy like RV that. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it was the work he had to put in. Like, as Ricky would, Ricky would maybe the bit the same way, and you know Ricky better than I do for sure. But well, I, I think I, mean, put- I think with Ricky's case, Ricky was positive that he had a plan B. You know, NASCAR racing. Yeah. And you know, when that didn't quite work out, and he came back to his roots, you know, and you know, got involved in amateur arena cross and supercross and motocross schools and things like that. Um. You know, a lot of people forget, you know, because you think about it, because you remember it kind of vividly. That dude retired in 07. Yeah. Ricky Carmichael. Villapoto still, I'm sure, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, because I don't do it, and I'm guessing you don't do it, but I'm guessing 85% of his conversations are, dude, you could come back and still work those dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Okay? Right, right. So as long as people are positive of that, you're okay, I think. I just, I but think in about five years, right. when no one thinks you can come back. To, wait, 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 what about me? You know, <laughs> I just think like a guy I mean, like that. Like, what are you going to do now? Like, what are you going to well, do? Well, you know what he's doing. He's got the he's yeah. got twins coming. No, he's I got know, a coffee yeah. shop. Yeah, he's got an excavator and a bulldozer. Hey, so, hey, anybody <laughs> up in the pack northwest <laughs> needs a swimming pool. He's, that's your guy. He's your guy. Driveways. He's big, big into driveways. So yeah, he's good on. They got him doing driveways before they do pools. Yeah, no, he. he I can see him. I can see him pulling your electrical right out of the ground. <laughs> no doubt, Big right? scoop. I just think that should be his nickname, Big Scoop. I think it's funny these guys. They just, I mean, yeah, it's time they want to go. They they work their balls off so hard, and they made a ton of money. And it's time to check out. But you got to have what you want to do. You got to figure out what you want to well, do. The toughest you know? thing, though. I think, you know, you mentioned making a ton of money, and you do. You make a ton of, you know, a handful of guys make a ton of money in their 20s. Now, you have yourself worked in the world-class athlete shape. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and with modern medicine, are, are you going to be 110, 115 years old? Yeah. And yeah. all that money that right. you made in, in the first 25 years of your life, really only about 10 years, has to last you another 80 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now what? You know, you don't retire when you're 40, like when you're kind of halfway there, you know? Yeah. Um, you retire, now you got, okay, I'm in great shape. My body's at a peak operational thing. I've got this much money. It's got to last me 85 years. Yeah, when you think about it that way, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's where you're like, ooh, maybe I could have put another yeah, five ooh, in, you know? Maybe I should have went to Europe that time for, for, 50 grand, <laughs> for 50 grand a pop. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's the part where I think the reality of that five-year window is I did have some time. Um, you know, hey, the nationals that you've been to the most, probably High Point, right? Yeah, oh yeah, for like, sure. I mean, well, it was High Point and Steel City for me, and okay. then Troy. Yeah, but Steel City didn't start until whatever, and Troy was later. Right, High but Point's... I mean, it was close. So yeah. What What's your earliest memory of High Point? 
uh, rider pits uh, racing on the track. What, what do you? What's your earliest memory of going there? Um, man, um, like one of the coolest bikes I ever heard at High Point, which which kind of comes back to an old time. George Holland's factory Honda, eighty-eight, is yeah. one twenty-five. That thing sounded like nothing else on the track at the time. You know, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Cliff White, too. you know, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Stanton and Bradshaw battles. I mean, those were those were legendary at that track. Um, were you a Stanton? You know, were you a Stanton guy or a Bradshaw guy? At the time, I was a little bit more of a Bradshaw uh, guy. Me too. You know? Me too. Yeah. I mean, you know, because Stan was business. He was business, and, you know, he was on a Honda, and Hondas are always supposed to be the best, and so it's, you know. In 89, but, I, in 89, I asked Stanton for his jersey at Millville, and he about bit my head off. I'm like, oh! <laughs> you know. <laughs> He's awesome. I was a Bradshaw guy, um, yeah. I remember, um, I remember Damon Bradshaw winning in an absolute monsoon. Oh, 97? 97? Yeah. yeah, what was great about that whole experience was that high point was we were doing some stuff with actually Dirt Rider magazine. We had, remember when everybody was building XR four hundreds? Yeah. I was at Pro Action, so we built what was it, an XR four forty or something like that. Uh-huh. And it had good forks and a good shock and uh, I don't know, we put a smaller gas tank. I don't remember all the little logistics, but we had built this right. air cooled four stroke and the guys from Dirt Rider were coming in to to test it. And they were like, well, what hotel are we staying at? We're like, we ain't staying at a hotel. Well, what, do you, what do you mean you're not staying at a hotel? Like, we stay at the track. Well, yeah. Why would you do that? That doesn't make sense, you know. <laughs> and they came out to the track. And it happened to be one of those ones where the guy, there was a group of guys in northeast Ohio way back in the day, uh, Tony Marzano and Kevin Ganap and a bunch of these guys that made it their job to go to High Point to be an absolute nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> like their trailers and like they had to paint their box vans every year a different color because they had been kicked out the year before. And there was no way they were getting back in. They'd paint them a different color. And these guys, you know, Ken fought, and I think it was Don Mayotta and a couple guys at the time were walking around, and like their faces fell off. They had no idea this is how you do it at high school. <laughs> this is you know? East Coast Nationals, right? Oh, right. I mean, it was you know, I mean, just a party, just 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 a party, and you know, those are the. You know, and I know you kind of can't quite do things the way you used to, but man, those were a time in, in an era that would be definitely hard I, to replace. I'm sure that that there's a lot of people that knew they were there, but probably have no memory of it. I slept there in '97, uh, that year the muddy, the year of the rain, in my box fan, Ty Birdwell days, and all I heard was bombs and screams and bikes revving until they blew up. I'm like, what is going oh. on outside of those pits? I was in the pro pits, you know, and I'm just like, what is going on outside outside there? Just must be chaos. But what's funny is it's stuff like that that actually brought upon mini bike racing. <laughs> they were so crazy that everyone's like, "What do we do? We can't, we can't have this anymore. It's, it's on the verge." And like, "Oh, I got an idea. Let's do mini bike racing. Yeah, we'll take something that's completely banned and make it legal, but for one hour, you know." And then, right, right. Yeah, you. You know that kind uh, of went off, and you that killed was a fun it. little you, era. You killed it. Money makes the monkey dance. You just you <laughs> killed it, Bodis. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to the MotorcycleSuperstore.com RacerX podcast. Thanks for listening, man. These things are going great, and I'm stoked with the responses from everybody, and uh, you guys have been doing a great job with the downloads. Don't forget the Fly Racing Moto 60 show on Thursdays, the Pulp MX show on Mondays, 
the NFAB Racer X Fantasy Show sometime in the middle of the week. And a Motorcycle Superstore, they're a passionate team who speak moto. If I'm talking about going riding, bench racing from the latest company ride to the latest parts and gear, this is what drives them to be a place for you to check out all things motorcycles with the top brands and gear, accessories, tires, parts, and apparel. You want to save there. they got everything you need to get out and ride. Go to the website to check out their inventory of brands, uh, over 700 of them. Do you speak moto? If you do, go to MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Use the code PB-PULP16 to uh, 10% off participating brands. PB-PULP16 saves you money. All right, let's get to these commercials from Racetech and Michelin and MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Thanks for listening. See you after the break. Racetech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you... And probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to PulpMX2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, on the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this... Uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage. So uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out at the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. 
Yeah, High Point definitely has got some uh, some good memories over the year. And yeah, Bradshaw passing Larry Ward in the mud there to uh, take the overall. That was that was pretty exciting. Um, oh, aluminum frame Honda. Yeah, that was, I think that was their first first win on that bike, wasn't it? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think they're only. Remember, Bradshaw only... went to Bud's Creek the next week and got tangled up in the first turn and went down. I was pretty gutted about that. <laughs> yeah, really. I thought right? maybe he was coming back. You know. Hey, so yeah, me too. When when well, and when he came back at High Point the year before. Two years earlier. On the 114 Yamaha. Yeah. I mean, I would have, I wasn't there. It was my year before I became a mechanic. I remember being up in Canada being like, it's on now. It is on now, everybody. Because he is back. You know, and it didn't well, he won like the up. qualifier and stuff. So you're like, oh, man, it's just like, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's back. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Um, I mean, anytime those guys come back, you get, you get emotionally revved up for a minute, you know. Who's your uh, Who's your favorite person? We talked about Lachine and Stanton and everything else, and, and great guys. But like, who's and I, I should have asked you this question before. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit on the show. But like, who's your favorite industry guy to talk to? Like under the radar, like somebody who's funny or got great stories, or you got all the time in the world for at the races. That maybe people. I always, don't know. I always like talking to you because I think you always have a lot of uh, a lot of inside information. Well, sure. Yeah, but I like yeah. talking to Ivan Tedesco. He's a friend. Yep. Um, I always like talking to GL. He's you know. Yeah, he's pretty real. GL's yep. funny when it when it he knows what's going on and. There's a chance that he may have been in the debauchery the night before, so he has first-hand information. <laughs> better, better than, better than even chance. Better. Than, <laughs> right, right. I mean, because he'll actually remember. Um, let me think. Shoot some other guys. I mean, because there's a lot of guys that are like I always like talking to Darren Durham. I like talking yep. to Aaron Plessinger. I think he's a he's a funny guy. Yeah, he yeah, always has yeah. a little unique spin on whatever. Yep. Um, I used to like talking to Eric Sorby back in the day. <laughs> Sorby. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, because you knew at any minute, you know, he could swerve in front of anybody, you know? <laughs> yeah, he yeah, got out of but, hand. You know, there was, there, there was just a lot of the guys are really, you know, RV's obviously a, you know, a close friend. and Behind you know, the scenes. Again, behind the not, scenes, yeah. Not fun to talk to on a mic. No. Not fun to talk to in a trailer. What he, he's a world-class trash talker. World oh, class. my God, one of the absolute best. <laughs> when he started rubbing his hands together, you know oh, what I mean? You knew, I thought he was going to actually spark into internal combustion doing some of that. I know. He loved to talk crap on everybody else except for him. <laughs> Teammates, <laughs> mechanics, competition, everybody. Um, and that's kind of stuff I tried to bring out to people a little bit here and there in his interviews. And he's done a good job on the show. He's opened up a little bit. but Yeah, and then you ask him about the race, and he just says, yeah, working hard, everything's good. Good yeah. moto, you know. Like we we're like, all right. Um, he don't want to tell you what really went down. No. So I think we covered this, but I love this part of the story. Uh, you work for JT Racing, kind of near the end of their heyday. John Gregory, John Arita Gregory. You were a sales guy, right? A sales rep. Well, yeah. Um, they had, you know, back then you you could be an independent sales rep. Uh-huh. I was working at a dealership, and I, you know, I kind of wanted a little bit more. So JT. What I had was I had JT, I had Extreme. Remember the T-shirts and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Well, mostly the T-shirts. The T-shirts, and then I had a Cherubies, was my plastics company. So they had, the, about the only thing that crossed over was they had chest protectors, the Cherubies did. Oh, yeah, no, you know, nobody, nobody wore too. those. Nobody wore those things. They were big. They were big. Lots of colors on them. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, you know, I had a chance to work with them, and, 
um, you know, right towards the end especially, they had some, uh, you know, the the building was still down there, you know. And, yeah, yeah. And had a chance to come in and tour it. You'd see the bikes. And uh, David Bailey was the official helmet painter for JT. And Marty Tripes made the sunglasses for him. I mean, these guys were in-house. Yeah. You know, like, oh, Working. there's Tripes. Oh, there's Bailey. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, you know, and then, you know, the guys sewing stuff up and, you know, they did in-studio photo shoots. There wasn't, no, we're going somewhere. It's like, no, we're doing it right there. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think John got a little tired, too, of some of the riders burning him over the years, too, I think. I think he yeah, got a little, Yeah, I mean, because yeah. that was when, you know what, I mean, for a while, he had, um, you know, he had some competition, but he really had the cream of the crop, you yeah, know. everybody. Yeah. He had the right colors. He had the right designers. Obviously, this guy was super passionate about it. Um, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame along with his along with his wife Rita, and they had it. And then all of a sudden, companies like AXO—that's what I remember, especially working there. You'd go into a shop mm-hmm. and you'd show them, you know. And, th- and then we kind of tried to do some RS Tai Chi. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because we had Bale wearing that for a year. Right. But you'd go in, and you know, AXO had, you know, Damon Bradshaw with. Just about every color in the world on a, on an outfit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they had a lifetime warranty on boots. I'll never forget that. Oh, do you have a lifetime? I'm like, no, we don't have a lifetime <laughs> warranty on boots. Yeah, exactly. They had a lifetime but, warranty. Uh, Axo did. Yeah, they, for, on boots. Oh God. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't that good of an idea because I mean, for a minute they were super hot. But that's when John, you know, that's when he really had to start battling Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, Thor was coming on. They had stolen Ricky Johnson off of him. Yeah. Um, and you, you were, know, and you were like, oh man, I'm, I'm working for the wrong well, guys. It was, <laughs> what was tough about the whole thing was, you know, you have so much, um, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm a guy that I love the classics. I always love the classics. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And you hate to see him get, get even a little bit roughed up, you know, yeah, somebody yeah. comes up and that's yeah. fine, but right. you know, you don't got to push Joe Robert out of the way to get there. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's kind of how it happens. That's where yeah, it works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, so that that was that was lived for a while. Like I said, we had Bale. We were down to Bale, Pat Barton. <laughs> um, I want to think Jeff Glass was wearing the IRS was Tai Chi glassy, stuff there for a minute. Like, glassy was oh, tai yeah, chi. it was. Yeah. We were down to. <laughs> and Mike Chamberlain might have been wearing it and, still. And nobody liked Bale back then. <laughs> But he didn't well, sell any gear. He's a nice guy. Just it was, yeah, no one was buying necessarily his gear. I mean, you know, and and we really were in that whole era. Like we couldn't believe, you know. Now it's a little more believable that the Europeans have, you know, real world speed. But you know, no one believed that anyone was going to knock down, you know, Ricky Johnson and Jeff Stanton, right. you know, especially a guy that no one liked, and <laughs> yeah. he sure did. Yeah, absolutely. So, did you sell Dalmatians, or was that before your time? Were you selling Dalmatians? No, no. We we, we had Dalmatian. We had confetti Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. One of the things. Stop the little, light. The little had, tiny JMB ones. Okay, like his signature stuff. Yeah. We had Cyborg. Oh yes, yeah, Cyborg. <laughs> oh, the Cyborg stuff was tight because it went with any bike. Yeah, yeah. Good point, right? Good point. Yeah, gray um, and white. You know. Hey, when you worked for Andrew, you worked for Andrew Psycho, right? Your salesman. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Were you working there when Fast Freddy got second in that Supercross or fifth in the L.A. Coliseum? 
Was that before um, your yes. time? Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So what? What? Do you remember what is it? One nine hundred race or something? Yeah. Race pro right. or something pro like race. that. One nine hundred pro race. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously Fred's parents. Yeah. You know, they ran the shop, and I mean, they they weren't like. You know, I know there's moto parents that that don't miss a race, mm-hmm. and they never missed a high point or a Troy or Red mm-hmm. Bud. But you know, yeah. Anaheim one and stuff, they were running the shop. Right. Period. Yeah. You know. So one nine hundred pro. I mean. No one had a cell phone back then. Right. You know, and the races would be over at 11, which, you know, are like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning here. So one nine hundred, we would all get together and listen to the one nine hundred pro race thing. Yeah. And It's like Rick Johnson, uh, Guy we, Cooper. We listened to it so early in the morning, he, wasn't, he hadn't called home yet. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he yeah. wasn't up yet. Right, right. It was just a big, and oh, my goodness. Well, so we found out, you know, how good he did. Then we find out that he's second forever. Yeah, yeah. He led. Then Supercoop got him. Then he was second forever. And then late in the race, he got fourth or uh, fifth. RJ right? got yeah. him. Yeah. Huh? Got fourth or fifth, I think. Yeah. Fifth. Fifth. Yeah, but it was it was still a heck. Of, you know, he got oh, a couple yeah. of rides like that where he had that and a um, couple good rides. That, in the 500, he was really good on a 500 of all things. I did a podcast with him, and, and I looked through his vault results, and yeah, underrated national rider. Like, very good results outdoors. Yeah, I mean, this guy had number 17 back when, you know, that's what you earned. And yeah. you think about, you know, who, you know, you're in the teens, and this is Supercross and 500 and 250s, turn that number. I mean, you're you're up in the front of the, the heap of right. quite a bit of the time. right. Which, uh, so you were just selling bikes or were you a parts guy? No, no, no. I was bikes. I was bikes. What'd you sell the shit out of? What was your specialty? Well, there was a couple fat of cats? things. Fat cats? Did we you sold sell fat incredible. cats? Fat cats? Well, we, the Andrew, they had every brand of bike except the shop I was at didn't have Honda. We could sell a Honda. Okay. You know, through the other shop, but we didn't have it. We had Yamahas and. You know, we, obviously that particular era, the the mid '80s when I started, it was it, sport bikes were coming on for yeah. sure, but they hadn't quite, especially in Ohio, California. They were, you know, Tom Cruise and Top Gun, but we were still deciding between cruisers and, and sport bikes. Mm-hmm. And these guys, remember when Harley Davidson put a tariff on all bikes? They had to drop down to 700 cc's. No, I don't. I don't remember that. They did this. They did okay. it for one year and. and some of the you know the metric manufacturers scrambled and they retooled and came up with all these 700s. Well, everything above that that came into the country got a tariff. But it was if it was already here, there was something. We went to an auction and they bought 920 Viragos, not oh, yeah. 920 of them. We probably bought 2,000 of them, <laughs> but they bought 920 Viragos. Dealers had them for thirty nine ninety nine on the floor. We had them for like fifteen hundred bucks, and we were still making money on them. Oh, jeez! And just blew, blew. the like, Viragos. People were literally standing in line at your desk on a Saturday morning. I want one of those nine twenty Virago, Virago, Virago. Hey, the the starters wouldn't work in them. You had to take apart your pen and put the little spring in there behind the starter button. Like they were hilarious. <laughs> hey, they were mono shocks though. What about RZ three fifties, bro? Uh, those sell. We got a few of those. They were um, big in Canada. I remember my dealership had a ton of them. People, a lot of guys. Yeah, had them. we we had them. We didn't have them long enough. Um, two strokes, 
got such a bad uh, shake here in America. You know, we had Kawasaki's, and then Yamaha had that, and yeah. we never got the Gammas and the RVs, you know, all that good stuff, though. Uh, our YSR50s? We had YSR 50s. We had tons of those. That was another thing that we bought in Just bulk. everywhere, tripping over oh. them. Well, the Fred Andrews' dad, Phil, was an absolute bandit in any parking lot with any small, whether it was a small four-wheeler or a YSR 50, he'd race everybody at the shop. <laughs> Go get one. Let's race. Let's race. Know. We're racing. <laughs> Oh, man. And especially back then, too, there's a little bit of a boom of the motorcycle industry. We're not in that now. There's no doubt. There's definitely ebbs and flows. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, you think about, you know, the industry as a whole, and it's one of the few things that, you know, has a time where it's flourishing and sometimes where it's a little soft. And we might be down a little bit in attendance, but if we could just get our kids to ride, you know. Yeah. If you have a nephew or niece or a little kid, Borrow a Z50 off somebody that has one and bring it home. Even if they don't race ever, just teach them how to shift the gear, balance it. That's usually all it takes. If you can get wind racing across your face in the backyard, you're hooked. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah, you're right. Make them ride it a little bit, and they'll they'll be like, I want to do this more. Right. Hey, what is your best Craigslist find? What was the – I I know you you look at them, you, you, you surf them, you hunt. You're like you're like you're like a big game hunter, uh, searching oh, Craigslist. Yeah. Um, what what was your best find in the back of a barn in Ohio? There's, I mean, you know, I've flipped a lot of motorcycles. Oh, I know. Day. Heck, I've got I know. plenty of them. Right. I mean, the um, what was your best? Like, hey, I cannot believe this guy has this thing, and he only wants five hundred dollars for it. Oh, well, you, okay. You know what? Like, I've had a couple finds where I had no idea they were worth what they were worth. Oh, okay. You know what a Kawasaki Coyote is? No, no. Okay. Well, neither did I. It's a dumb (laughs) pool start little mini bike. I mean, like a pool start mini bike. Okay. I'm at this dealer, and this guy shows it to me like 10 times. (laughs) You want this? I'm like, nope. Nope. Like, he had a a 74 XR75 I really wanted, and he wouldn't sell it. But he Mm -hmm. kept trying to, like, he didn't want to give it to me. But here, just take this, you know. Finally, I'm like, whatever. What do you want for it? Give me a hundred bucks. Bring the thing home. Uh huh. I don't really know what it is. I end up calling Norm Bigelow. Yeah. He about falls out of his chair. I guess coyotes are real rare. Oh wow. So that was a good find, and I didn't want it for a while. My my latest good find was. Um. So did you make it's big a snowmobile? Money? So it wouldn't quite pertain because you know I'm in the snowmobiles as much. <laughs> it was like a like a cross country race Polaris, a TXC. Did you make money on that coyote? Did you kill it? Oh, God, yeah. Teed him up. <laughs> Te- teed it up. I, hey, I'm not – if I find something and it's good, I'm not scared to let it rip. I oh, mean, no. You know, no, as you but should. But you're going to have to want it as much as, you know, I think you should. Right, right. Did, uh, but I like to find rare things. You know? I, oh, I know. I know. Every time I talk to you, I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, ah, guy, guy <laughs> over two counties over, he may have a uh, an MR50. Honda MR50. Oh, I Mr. 50. You never find silver ones. I find orange ones. Tahitian red, but I find the orange ones all the time. You know what a couple of my buddies have up home in Canada, not brought into America, is uh, CR60s. We had CR60s, not okay. for long. Everybody yeah. had a 60. This makes no sense. Honda, Suzuki, Yamaha, and Cowie, they have a 60. Who's sitting in the marketing board because, you know what, I think now would be a good time to let Kawasaki have the whole 60 market. <laughs> 
for like 15 years. <laughs> for, for, yeah, for 15 Let's years. give them no trouble right there. That'll be the, the first thing they see is a green fender when they're a little child, and they will always want a green front fender. In front of them. I, I heard rumors that somebody were coming back with them. I know Cobra has them, but I mean yeah. KTM. But no, there was a year. Cow. There was a year where they weren't brought in the U.S. '83, '84, something like that. Uh, Honda '60s, and, and they're only in Canada and Europe. And, and some of my buddies have them. So yeah, I mean, I, there's a few of those around here. You could get a CR60, but you know, like it was funny. They had RM50s and RM60s, and they had YZ50s and 60s, yeah, which I, were like the same thing, but just for a year. I had an RM50. 82. Did you? Yeah, 82 cool. RM50. Uh, yeah, it was kind of like a miniature RM big bike. It was like sweet, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. All right, hey, let's, uh, before we wrap this thing up, let's talk a little all right. a little modern stuff, a little little modern yes. stuff. Uh, let's talk about the 250. We don't want to talk about the 450 series right now. There's nothing going on. <laughs> there's, could, there's nothing but... going on right now. Um, 250 series, Coop got the lead. Uh, and you know he toughed it out with this wrist injury. He's got the lead now. Savachi deserves props for. Um... Oh, let's talk about that for a second, dude. How oh. about Savachi leaves the first round with like a mid-season points lead, gives <laughs> it back, and then gets it again. Gets it again. Hold this on. This isn't. Uh, trust no. me. This is not done. This two fifty. How I want to switch gears. How does Mitch Payton, after seventeen years at Thor Parts Unlimited Thor, leave for Fox? How does that happen? That side of the business, I'm not necessarily involved in. I know. I know well, I'm not saying we, you I know are, that the but... time that we had with Mitch was, was very productive for both companies. I mean, he won us a lot of titles. Dude. And we provided him with the resources to. That uh, might be the top five biggest shocking moves in moto in my time. You know, we're, but we're happy with you know. We certainly partnered up with Star Yamaha, and that you know. Well, I know you're putting the company spin on it, up. but let's just talk about the shock of that by this. Well, it's you know. It, it, I guess everything it, has to it, end at some point. Yeah, everything has to end at some business. point. Business right. doesn't have to end, but right. you know, in the business that we were in, um, you know, I think we were we were both looking for things, him and us, and you know, I I think maybe we were probably able to do it. You know, he. I think he's fine. He's. I saw him. We we talked. He he was in good spirits. Oh obviously. yeah, no. yeah. He, he you know, his team's doing well, and and you know, but yeah, I mean, certainly a long relationship. Hey, we still sell their product, and we're we're we still push the heck out of it. So when I worked at Parts Unlimited for that one year, FMF brand manager, by the way. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Thor had RV, Mitch, McGrath, Chad. Pastrana. Am I missing somebody? <laughs> Perry. Who? Robbie Raynard. <laughs> Ezra Lusk. Right? Nuts. Uh, then we had, listen to this, we had the FMF Honda team, the Red Bull KTM team, the Pro Circuit um, team, the yeah. Omaha of Troy team, and the Pro Circuit team. We have every <laughs> 125 rider. If you, if you had an OEM ride, you, we, you were wearing Thor. Yeah, Beaker used to print like seven thousand jerseys a week. <laughs> oh, good times. Okay, I mean, that, it, literally. Yeah. I mean, we yeah, had yeah, every yeah. team. That's crazy. We had just about every. We could fill up literally every podium. Yeah, nuts, right? Nuts when you yep, think about and then it. That doggone Ricky Carmichael came along. Yeah, you know, <laughs> never getting out of that Fox stuff. Although he, they did wear a Barrick for one year. Remember Barrick boots? <laughs> for a boot. Yeah, the boot. I do really remember that. <laughs> um, all right, let's get back to the series. What's okay. going on with J-Mart? What do you think's up with J-Mart? Um, 
not Again, the, not the same I guy. I haven't been around much. I haven't seen it. No, but I know. The, you know, I know that you know he he obviously had a, a change of direction for his program with his trainer. You know, when he was with O'Mara, um, I think they were doing things a certain way. Then he made the switch over to the team mm-hmm. trainer, Swanepoel. They're doing it a different way, and I'm not even sure if he's doing it his own way right now. Yeah, he's, he is. Yeah, he doesn't have Swanepoel. Yeah. He's doing his own thing. But doing it's... his own thing. To me, you know, we're at that point now. This, if this was Supercross, we're coming up on Daytona this weekend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, from this weekend on, this is where that, that 250 championship's going to get won. This is almost like a reset because I feel that there's going to be guys, there's going to be some points change hands for sure at Southwick, like always. Yeah. And it's usually bikes that break because they tune them to the high end and the things put, you know what it's like, you just smell the radiator fluid in the yeah. sand there. Yeah, it, heat and uh, horsepower equals heat and deep sand equals heat. And, yeah, it's not so good. I think we see a big point swing. Could It could be. Alex or Jeremy Martin getting right back into the hunt. You know, it could be, you know, but it, it's going to get interesting, these last handful of nationals where well, you're really boiling these it guys down. have yeah. all the bad luck behind them, I think. There it's, can't be any more bad luck coming these guys' way. It seems like it, right? Everybody's kind of had Coop's wrist early on. Savachi's crash last weekend. Martin Brothers each have a DNF. Osborne can't get his start straight. So... Yeah, it seems like those guys are the ones going to be going down to the wire with some. And I think I think that there's still I still think we're going to see some of these young kids, these Miguel Raskin in there. These I think I think Cian Cirillo can find his way still up into the top three. I know he's been getting good gate picks in the first you know the first moto, but really not able to capitalize. That has to change mm-hmm. sooner or later. You know, he's a monster now. Have you seen a kid lately? Do you watch him at High Point? Oh, I saw him a couple years ago. You know, we had him and. You know, all you see these kids is in mini cycle magazines or other, and then the kid walks up to you like, <laughs> "You're gigantic!" You know what happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're a super tall guy. I know it's weird how it works. Um, they talk about the four fifties and the two fifties. I mean, you know, maybe he is going to really blossom into that four fifty rider, but I, you know, I think the injuries have taken a toll where it's going to take him. A little while longer than he thought to race back mm-hmm. into you know where he wants to be. Um, we got to th- before we wrap this up. We got to talk about Stu. Do you think there's any way Stu gets back to the top? Like a year off of the suspension, came back. He's not in shape. Crashing knee problem. A- a loop out at Daytona. I- I'm like Stu's biggest fan, and uh, the guy's thrilled me. He's literally given me. So much memories and thrills and everything else, but I don't know, man. Do you see him ever getting back to to the the top? He's you know, and he's one of those people like a Chad Reed, in my opinion. Just when you think, man, there's there's just no way this guy can do it. Yeah, yeah, we because you, you and I have both witnessed we've counted Chad out on natural yeah. ability. Yeah, people count a Chad out over time. Granted, things have changed where raw natural ability. You know, I mean, his last big championship comes with Alden Baker. He has a perfect season, and then injuries, and he finds himself out without a championship since '09, I think. You know, mm-hmm. and for him to come back, I know he's—I know, for instance, like he's not real pumped with his bike, right? Right. But it, the bike itself is obviously one of the most 
um, dominating 450s you can be on right now. Evidently, you know, mm-hmm. by what Ken Roxon's yeah, doing. Clearly. So, I, I mean, right. I don't think it's the bike, so, so to speak. He, you know, he won that, he won that straight rhythm thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a good, because, I mean, he beat Dungeonette, and I think Roxon was in it too, and, you know, so he got a win. I think if there was a way, if there were races where he could get some wins and get comfortable with the silence of being back up front, you know? Yeah. Because I think that's what happens. These guys forget what the silence is all about, you know? And that's when they start making these little mistakes. The guys that are comfortable up there, obviously Carmichael was real comfortable in the silence. Um, you Tim, know, Jeremy McGrath was. Timmy, Timmy Ferry. Kit Red Dog, especially at Bud's Creek on Father's uh, Day in that first moto. Who can forget? Oh, my goodness. I, was, I almost couldn't announce I was welling up You're so much cheering pride. up. I know. I, I know. <laughs> summer cross. But, you know, summer I, cross. If, any, if anyone could come back, JS7 could come back. Dude. It's... But if... If something sets back the timetable again, then just for you know where he's at in his career and what he's done, I think maybe it's time to. He's just having a baby, so yeah. you know. Here's the question for you: great. He sure. he missed all of last year. This year he has seven points. If he does not get the required twenty-five points, does the champion take his number seven? <laughs> How about that? How about if somebody? First off, that'll never happen. The AMA would never do that. We know how they make up rules as it goes. But what if JS loses? Who's going to take number two? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, good question. You know, I mean, number two is available. Would someone? Would someone take the number seven? <laughs> I don't think. I mean, you're not going to see that this year. But I mean, you know, again, in the near future. Yeah. Uh. I, you know what? I mean, I was really surprised when I saw him take seven because he was two fifty nine. Granted, there's not a lot of guys that make the three digits look good, but, you yeah. know, he had a little backstory, obviously, you know. Yeah. You know, a friend of his dad's, or, or, you know, gotten injured, and he ran it for him. But, you know, I was kind of surprised. And then, remember, there was that little, I don't know, was it that Southwick where he rode first practice at 259 on again? Yeah. yeah. What was all that about? He was he was trying to shake the mojo. I don't know. Was he when he was on a Yamaha or something? I don't know. He was J-Mac for a little while, too. <laughs> Yeah, he was J Mac for a bit. Um, but no, I, I mean, if anyone can come back, it's James Stewart. But if he can't, man, you had a career that just you know. I yeah. think people, if you watched him demolish people in races, oh, I mean, it was. Oh, and, and the four fifties were one thing, and obviously, you know, he had a little spur on the KX two fifty, but the KX one twenty five, right, was. I mean, that was a scalpel in that dude's. It didn't matter where he started. No. And if you watch some of those old videos, I mean, he ruined people's career on that thing. They had to be thinking, I'm going so fast on a 250. Up look at me, bro. Yeah. Lows by him. <laughs> wow. I even look at that season. He was perfect on the 450s, and, you know, the 800s chasing him. And they're how about the dude that almost stopped his win streak at Unadilla? <laughs> Cody the closest. Cody, Cody Brian Cooper. <laughs> Who knew on on a Suzuki on a Suzuki City privateer racing out of a trailer? I know, I know. In the mud, almost got him. I know. I wasn't there that weekend. I wasn't there, but I, oh, I listened to it. Was, it. Yeah. 
you know, with the New Zealand connection that we have, I mean, oh, you know, we were very so crazy. <laughs> um, the year he had that perfect season, like he had this huge lead on everybody, the 15, the 800, Millsaps, and the guy was like, I still remember like at Freestone, he's trying to put two singles as a double. And you're like, bro, stop it. What are you doing? <laughs> you have a 25-second lead. And he's like, yeah, I'm trying to casing the shit out of this single. And you're like, what are you doing? But that's what he was. That's what he did. He just, he just, you know, it seemed like when he was, especially in his, you know, I'm indestructible younger days, he just wanted more. If there was a double, he wanted a triple. <laughs> if there was three, well, where's the fourth one? And I think I can get to it. God, I mean, some, just some of the how fast he would go through stuff. Remember the RC him him and RC at High Point a few times. Gone, a minute lead on Wyndham or Red Dog. Well, that and then you know, I mean, that was you know the big you know when Ricky left her on after that one finish line before the left, and then James crashed yeah, downhill and down the downhill double. It was oh. just oh crazy times. But they were pushing times, they were though. pushing each other so hard, you know, like both guys were just going to die trying to beat the other guy. Well, let's you look at Tomac and and Roxon right now. Yeah, you know, and and Dungy and I mean they were able to put, you know, two rider battles on the entire field, and then after that it's a little bit single file, and yeah. you know that's the part that's that's unfortunate right now because you know, I mean, you know that, um, you know Cole Seely and and on these guys are good. They're not that. They're not <laughs> no. that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they're Marvin good Mushkin isn't that much worse of a rider than you. No. I know he's not. No, no, yeah, he's not some beginner that's just getting out on the track. Yeah, I know. Our sport is weird. We don't have we have a hard time with parity. It's such a tough sport that we can't seem to get parity. The winners rise above. They always. Oh, it's it's you know. tough. But I think the biggest thing is it's such a mental. When you're up, you're you're bulletproof. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're yeah. and when you're not feeling it, I mean, nothing goes right. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's why we love it, I guess. I don't know. And that's and that's when when you see these, like, okay, real fast. I know we're you know you're busy and and whatnot, but Davy Millsaps is reinventing himself. <laughs> he if he is. comes home from Canada, yes, during this outdoor season, with the momentum that he has going right now, you know what I mean? Yeah. He he he's gonna he's gonna open up every American manager's eyes because whatever had happened the last couple years in America that's behind him now because he's going one one yeah. yeah and as soon as you one one is great but then when you go one one again all of a sudden all the bad juju is off yeah no you're right then you do it again even when you get docked ten positions what are you guys doing <laughs> docking people ten spots? he lapped up a six but he got docked ten spots <laughs> okay. But when you get docked yeah. ten spots and you're still the red plate holder, I know. that's when you're like, <laughs> yeah, but I think I could jump all four of those. <laughs> yeah, I got this. I got this all day. You know? right. And I'm telling you, if Davey Millsaps comes back to America to race a national round this year, you, it will be the best you've ever seen him ride because of exactly what – remember when Meddy came back after he won the Canadian title? Yeah, yeah I got like uh, fourth at some point. He was a third. beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. He, he thought he thought in his heart of hearts he's I'm on not not only should I be on this podium I deserve to be on this because I'm winning again. I know it's crazy, right? That's when those guys are. If James Stewart can find a way to win three or four races, so the Stu need to go to Date City and sign up for some local stuff to start getting a one-one. He might need to go up to Canada. <laughs> yeah, maybe right. What's what's Trevor Vine's you know? series? Is Trevor Vine's got a track that he can show up at? 
Trevor Vines has a great track, and they're they're well, doing some moose racing. They got a big moose cup race. Well, we'll up. show we'll show Stu up there. <laughs> Bring him up here. We'll get him in the <laughs> in the moose cup. He'll love it. <laughs> Biggest trophies won in a while. Well, there you go. All right, parts unlimited, drag specialties, Rocket Rob, buy us on the MotorcycleSuperstore.com Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. Always fun to check in with you, Rob. Please come back to the Nationals, please. We need, I'm going to do my best. We need Thank you, you announcing, and, and we need you back in the booth and, and yelling and screaming. And, and then I need to see Brock O'Neill tickle. I need to hear Brock O'Neill tickle over and over. <laughs> so. Hey, listen, for all you people out there, do me a favor if you can. Please go into a motorcycle shop. Just go in and visit them. Say hi. I don't care what you do. Pick up a spark plug, some oil, just something. Just go back and remember where you used to get stuff. But there you go, go into a bike shop. They're yeah. nice people. They are. They are nice people. How will I send you? Even though, hey, listen, you take care. Have a great summer. I will see you soon. Uh, peace out. I miss you, Rob. Come home. Thanks, buddy. See you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing. He's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. You know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I just pulled piss and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. 
Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go by.